Hello, everybody, and we are back with some more Doctor Who. And with me today, my companion in time and space, it's Sean Campbell. Hello, Sean. How are you this fine morning? I'm doing great. Thanks, man. You? Yeah, not bad. Not bad at all. Both time we yeah, yeah, looking forward to getting back on the on the Doctor Who train, as it were. Yeah, we got the controls wrong on the TARDIS again, so we're a few weeks late, sorry. <laughs> yeah, we, we went too far back in time, so so we had to wait it out a couple of weeks, is what happened. <laughs> but uh, yeah, pretty good episode we've got lined up. As we said in the last pod, we're not going to do every single episode of Doctor Who from now on, just... Uh, just the ones we prefer, some of the better ones. Uh, we hope you as listeners agree. We've uh, chosen, um, what should I say, more of the more interesting and enjoyable episodes to, to talk through. Uh, Sean just wants to do a quick recap on what's happened before we get to our chosen episode today, which is School Reunion. So, Sean, if you want to... Th- take us through uh, the last the events leading up to school reunion as quickly as you can. Yeah, so Christmas Invasion happened, TARDIS crash land, spaceship over London. The Doctor's sick because he's just regenerated, but then he emerges and saves the day. I think this episode gets a lot of bad rap, but it, I actually find it quite enjoyable. I think there's a lot of good stuff in it, and if nothing else, it's worth watching just to see David Tennant emerge at the end because he does like a really good, you know, like the classic Doctor emerges, like, who am I? And then you get New Earth, uh, which is fun, where they end up on... It's just it's not long after the time of the end of the world, where they go to the New Earth, that's the name, and they see Cassandra again, and her and the, this great bit where she ends up in Rose's body, so Billy Piper has to play someone pretending to be Rose, and the Doctor also gets possessed at one point, and David Tennant's brilliant in that. So that one's definitely worth watching. And then there's Tooth and Claw, which is also a lot of fun. They end up in Scotland, and there's a werewolf. David Tennant busts out his actual Scottish accent. And, yeah, that's pretty much the cover of it. There's a big sort of relevant thing in Tooth and Claw, actually, where they talk about Torchwood and Torchwood's establishment and how it gets going. So it's worth watching for that. I think all three of them are worth watching, truthfully. But if I had to rank them, it would probably be Tooth and Claw at one, New Earth at two, and Christmas Invasion at three. So yeah, I hope that was somewhat coherent. <laughs> yeah, yeah, it gets us, it gets us there. And of course, um, from after season one, we've got a, a new Doctor played, uh, as everyone will know, by uh, David Tennant. He's up there with one of my favourite Doctors. Uh, where do you uh, put David Tennant, Sean? Uh, he's the one I grew up with, so he was always <laughs> going to be my favourite. But grew right. up with us already. Yeah. Fully grown man in my mid twenties by this point. Yeah, I was. <laughs> I mean, I wasn't even ten. But <laughs> right, that's that's it. This is the end of the podcast. You say that every week. <laughs> but uh, yeah, but I even even trying to take that out of it, I think he probably is the best. Uh, he gets the best material, which helps. I think to be yeah, fair as well, definitely. Because uh, I don't, I think I mean I've said this before. But um, I don't think there's ever been a bad casting decision as far as the Doctor's concerned. I think everyone they've cast is capable of doing it. It's just a case of the material they're given with. Yeah, definitely. Um, even like uh, 
Colin Baker, the sixth doctor, who got a lot of flack and he didn't get very long. He sort of re sort of established himself and proven himself with the, the audio stories. He's become yeah. extremely you know, he's become extremely renowned and popular with um with the audio side of things. So fair play to him for that. Absolutely. I mean to to put in perspective Colin Baker's audio books, one of them is is what Dalek was based off. And if yeah. you've seen Dalek, you'll know that's brilliant. So go check out Jubilee from Big Finish if you get a chance, because it's great. I mean, it's a great career path, Doctor Who, because you, you're never going to be out of work. There's conventions, there's the audio books. I mean, even Paul McGann's done audio books, and he's an actor who still gets a lot of work. So, you know, it's it's all good stuff, really. Yeah. And the only risk is, uh, the only risk would be maybe typecasting, but even then, it hasn't seemed to have affected them that badly. Like Matt Smith's in stuff. Uh, Peter Capaldi's Peter Capaldi. Mm. You know, he's always in stuff. And David Tennant's obviously on plays, just plays and that, but he's also in Broadchurch, so yeah, doesn't seem to affect you too badly. No, it's definitely open doors as well. I mean, David Tennant was make, you know, making waves and he was getting known in uh, Britain, but, you know, this Doctor Who's surprisingly popular in America and it opened a lot of doors for, for David Tennant overseas. He was yeah, great think- in... Uh, Jessica Jones, if anyone's ever seen that, playing a villain. He was, yeah. I always find it sort of... I always think it's a weird disconnect to hear him do his Doctor voice, but playing a very evil person. But it's a, it's a great performance, yeah. He's apparently really good in Broadchurch as well. I haven't seen it. But yeah, yeah. It's, he's good in everything he touches. But... More or less, yeah. <laughs> that, what but... he, that new thing he's done with uh, is it Michael Sheen, that hasn't got the greatest reviews from what I've seen oh, but yeah good omens that's it yeah uh, I mean I've never really I do the that says I'm gonna, I've never seen any of those Amazon Prime shows but I've been watching The Boys and I've enjoyed that quite a bit but anyway yeah so a different show yeah yeah that's <laughs> going wildly off topic there yeah um alright so uh, we land at school reunion and um, what do you think of the premise of this episode because to me the, the real premise of the episode isn't like the villain of the week um what they're up to it's it's sort of going back and meeting an old companion from back in the day i mean how aware were you of uh, sarah jane smith as a younger as a younger viewer uh, i mean this would have been my first introduction to her <clears throat> But then I think after that, the five doctors would have been the thing I'd seen her with because I'd borrowed that off a family friend. And she was in that. She reprised her role, uh, as, as did a lot of former companions. And I thought she was good in that. A lot of people sort of consider her to be the, like the stereotypical companion. You know what I mean? Like if you think of a Doctor Who, if you think of Doctor Who, it's probably her and, at least to a certain generation, it'd be her and Tom Baker. Maybe my generation would think more David Tennant and Billy Piper, but I think to a certain era of fans, they were the sort of defining duo. Yeah, it it, it, it all depends on the uh, era you grew up in. I mean, she, believe it or not, her, her first run in the series was even before my time. But the dark you, times, as we call. <laughs> you did get um, you did get a lot of reruns back when I was growing up, so I did get to see. Um, see her episodes and uh, yeah she goes back further than i originally thought i forgot she was uh actually started with the third doctor john pertwee and um yeah then carried on through with um 
Tom Baker. So she's one of the longest serving companions. And as you yes. say, yeah, like the quintessential companion. She was in many ways credited as being the first one who had a personality. And I don't know how true that is, but like, a personality might be harsh, but I think she was positioned as one of the first companions who wasn't just there so the Doctor had someone to save. Like, she sort of had a bit more character about her and a bit more forcefulness about her. I don't know if that's like revisionist history or not. I think uh, it is no a dis- little. I think it is a no- little bit. I mean, she did a bit more than some other female companions, perhaps, but... They, you know, they, they were never there as just eye candy or anything like that. I, I think, as you say, you, your sort of memory does play tricks on you a little bit. Yeah, I mean, she's great though. Like I'm, I'm saying, revisionist history is if like she was a great companion. Oh, she was. Uh, I'm just saying she wasn't. You know, other companions before her. You know, they did have. You know, a bit. You know, a bit more to do than even the even like the first remember. trio. I think it's fair to say, really, like the teachers who were kidnapped and like his his own granddaughter and stuff like that like mm. yeah so i really like her as, as a character uh, i remember growing up as well watching the sarah jane adventures they were really fun and some of them are still enjoyable i mean i've just been a kid so there are some like cheesy moments in it and stuff like that but you can still get some enjoyment out of some of them yeah well i'll perhaps a bit old old for the sarah jane uh, yeah, series. and it was on at a time when uh, I was still at I was still at work when it was broadcasting as well. So I never really gave it much time. Oh, where we flipping go? Getting off the bus, <laughs> running down the getting CBBC. What a time! Anyway, but also you. To be fair, one show you do know uh, is Buffy the Vampire Slayer, which uh, yes. someone. Uh, is he the villain in that as well? Because I've never seen that show. Admittedly, I've heard good things about it, but it's never. No, um, and again, I, this is a long time ago, and I can't even say this was my favourite show growing up because I was already grown up when Buffy started broadcasting in, in the UK properly. It was about seventeen, eighteen. I was I was already working and stuff. So even that long ago, I was still a, a fully fledged adult. No, where. Uh, um, Anthony Stewart Head, who plays the main villain in uh, this episode, he was uh, a, bit, a massive part of Buffy the Vampire Slayer. He was uh, Buffy's watcher, uh, the guy who sort of guided and uh, sort of taught taught Buffy. Oh, so was he like, uh, a, like a mentor yeah, figure? Yeah, yeah, that's the, the Obi Wan. Like. <laughs> um, oh, it's nice to see him in an episode of Doctor Who, but I just thought they could have found a a more, you know, a better part for someone with his sort of now iconic status in sci-fi and his acting chops. I mean, yeah. you know, he would have made a good master or even a good doctor himself. Yeah, I guess it's nice to see least, him there, but they could have done a bit more with I him as an actor. At the very least, he could have been put in an episode where the villain could have been the focus, like even if it was just a one-off appearance. Mm. Like, a, I don't know... What episode are we going to get to where it's just the villains? Uh, I don't know. But the point stands. I think people know what I yeah. mean. Like, because, they, like you said earlier, the, pre- like the, uh, the premise of this episode is more uh, to see Sarah Jane than it is really the villain. But he does good in this, I think. It's another one of those performances where, like... Oh, yeah. It's slightly over the top, but it's fun. Like, it's a lot of fun. 
Uh, another thing, uh, I enjoyed the dynamic between uh, Sarah Jane and uh, Rose as well. Like, you know, the bickering and the, the jealousy at, yeah. at first. And Mickey has, of, like, what might be my favourite line of the series so far, where he goes, like, oh, mate, the missus and the ex, welcome to every man's yeah. <laughs> But it's, yeah, it is, they play off each other really well. And in a, in as believable a way as he can. Yeah. Because they both have reasons to... They, they don't... Because it, it's like... They get to a point in the episode where they realise they don't really hate each other. They just hate what they represent. Like, Sarah hates that Rose is the sort of... The new one. And she sort of mm. wants to be in that position again. And Rose is sort of hates the idea that one day the Doctor will just leave her behind and go somewhere else. Yeah, and he kind of does exp- he does explain it at the end of the episode, which is good. It's something that's um, not never really been explored, as far as I'm aware. I mean, people can tweet and write in if if I'm wrong, but you know, I don't think he's ever gone back to meeting up with an, an old um, companion and um, finding out what it's like to be, or you know to be that uh, old companion because yeah. she does you guess... know, say you let you know you, you you just left me behind you never came back for me and you sort of get the reasons the reasons why towards the end of the episode I, you know i think it's a, a good dynamic that they explore here i always think that's a unique thing as well like quite an interesting thing not unique wrong word interesting where if you look back at the classic series and then you look at the modern ones, when a companion leaves in the modern one, it's a very much like it's a big thing. It's like sort of built up over a long period of time. But in the old series, it was like if you watch Sarah Jane's exit, it's basically like, oh yeah, bye Sarah, and then he just drops her off and he's away. Yeah, I like the fact that you said um, you left me in Aberdeen or something, and then he goes, oh, what's near? I don't know wherever she wanted to be. Yeah, uh, left. <laughs> it's like miles away. <laughs> it might yeah. be near in in his sense that it's on the same you know planet and country. Yeah. In, the, in the grand scheme of the universe, <laughs> they are pretty close. <laughs> to travel, it's not ideal. Yeah, it, it's good, but the promise is there. Uh, you know, they're undercover at school. Uh, David Tennant is. Um, Disguised himself as a teacher called John Smith. It won't be the last time he uses that pseudonym, John Smith, and it won't be the last time he uh, goes undercover as a teacher as well. So, oh, um, yes, of course, I've never actually put them together. Mm. Yeah. No, I hadn't until rewatching uh, this episode. To be honest, season two's not one apart from the the season finale. So I've I've really gone back and watched a lot of because I felt David Tennant didn't really hit his stride and perhaps until those season finale episodes and getting into season three. You know, I'll say that as well. That's one thing I noticed through watching the other three. Um, I don't know if that's a fair comment, looking back now and re-watching them. I think it's fair to see he gets better, but when you watch him in, like, New Earth, when he's, like, possessed by Cassandra and he has to, like, act like Cassandra, that, like, he nails that. And this, he's got some really good bits in um, Tooth and Claw as well. Where yeah, he, like, I'm like, not saying he was no good in previous episodes. Uh, I'm just saying no, no, that's no, when he sort of really 
really hit stride, and perhaps um, the writers really got the the grasp of writing for David Tennant as Doctor as well, because you know they'd been writing for a different person in the previous season. So um, yeah, it is a transitional period. I'm not saying he was bad; he was all he was always good. But for me, that it was towards the end of season two when he, you know, he really sort of got it, if, if that makes sense. Oh, yeah, totally. Uh, totally. And to be honest, I think that's a sort of, it's a, I think that's sort of was the popular opinion of it as well. But that's another reason why I'd encourage people to watch the three that we haven't covered. And I don't know, maybe let us know what you thought of it. But yeah, I enjoyed it. Uh, I don't, what was I going to say next? I've lost it. But no, this was it. You know this how the premise of this episode revolves around like the kids in the school dinners and that? Yeah. Apparently, that was inspired by when Jamie Oliver went mad over like kids' dinners. I don't know if you remember <laughs> that from like, I like, do. Sort of yeah. I, I remember being in school at the time and being really angry that my like pizzas were taken away and replaced with like crap. <laughs> 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 yeah, that's apparently the inspiration for this episode. So... Nice. Yeah, uh, school dinners were never great in my day. I preferred to bring my own sandwiches in. I thought school just, dinners just were fast, horrendous, basically. But <laughs> when you, you know, when you're cooking a uh, a meal in sort of bulk, is that the right word for a, a lot of people? I don't think it's ever going to be great, to be honest. Oh, I don't know, man. We had these like we had these like square pizza things that were awesome. And then you got this um this this like cake that had like icing and sprinkles on the top and on its I thought that was, was alright. Primary school it was anyway. Well you're in a big city like Newcastle's in a backwater time where they had no money, so we just got pretty lumpy curry and uh Yeah. I mean don't get it wrong, it wasn't all good. There was this mashed potato stuff that you couldn't turn down and it was just like water. Basically. <laughs> it was disgusting. <laughs> Sausages with more gristle than meat and and that sort of thing. <laughs> it wasn't Good great. times. Good times. <laughs> One thing I did want to say about this episode as well is um, putting this coming off the back because the writers and David Tennant discussion. I think this is an episode that would wouldn't have worked as well with Christopher Eccleston because he wasn't a fan of the original show, and David Tennant was, and I think that yeah. comes across in this episode. You can tell he's like. Like he's beside himself that he's like he's acting with Elizabeth Slayton and like K nine and K nine who comes back in this episode as well. But yeah, yeah, I forgot about K nine. That's a it's a treat to see K nine as well. He was a staple of uh, the Tom Baker era. Yeah, I, he that's one. I've never seen much of K nine. That's one thing I've got to be honest. Yeah, no, I think he was only ever really with um, Tom Baker as far as I can recall. Uh, if the only did, episode yeah. I've seen that features him is it's not Genesis of the Daleks. It might be Destiny of the Daleks. I think it is. Anyway, right, he's, he's only in it at the start and he's broken down. Mm. <laughs> but that's about it. I wanted to ask you something about Buffy the Vampire Slayer as well in regards to K9. Because yeah. apparently there's a slang that's used in that show. And forget the shooty dog thing is apparently part of that slang. Like, apparently it works. I don't know what I mean, but I wanted to ask if you knew. 
No idea on that one. It doesn't ring any bells, to be honest. Forget that what? Shooty dog thing. Yeah, you know the bit when he's the canine's shooting at them, the crillitins in the hall. Oh, he says, forget that. Yeah, forget that shooty dog thing. Uh, no, I, 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 there might be something I'm missing there, but it, it doesn't... It doesn't know. Again, really... Tweet us. tweet us and let us know. <laughs> I, uh, what did you think of it? Go on, give me some like everyone's favourite lines because I've talked a lot and joked a lot. Sorry, so I'll let you get a word in edgeways. No, you're all right. I'm I'm quite happy just letting you talk and giving over some of my opinions. It's been a been a while since I've watched it now because we were scheduling it. For earlier, but uh, so I can't remember. I can't remember actual actual um, loads of actual dialogue apart from some of the ones you've already run uh, through, well, I'll like give you another the misses, like the misses and the X and um, and bits like that. I can remember sort of you know what happened and that. Clip, no. I liked. Yeah. I like the fact that um, poor old Rose had to be a dinner lady. That 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 made me chuckle. Yeah, and she wasn't happy about being stuck as a dinner lady. Yeah, bit of a snob rose, really. Just see when you look at it that way. I know. <laughs> like, yeah, I mean, they play a playing a playing integral part of uh, school, and uh, you know your lunch wouldn't happen if you didn't have your dinner ladies. Yeah, but it comes. But like, also like, as you know, it's, it's played for comedy. Like, it should be. Of course, mm. it's funny. But I do think it's another reason why Rose is a good character because she has genuine flaws. And like she mentions in one of the episodes as well, and this is no, this is going forward a couple of episodes. But she's like, "Oh, mum, I used to work in a shop." And then Jack calls her out and says, "Well, what's wrong with working in a shop?" And you do get this sense of like Rosa's sort of, she's almost a bit of a snob and kind of looks down on it and is like, "Oh, why would like, like I go, I could never go back to living that way." And it's like, well, it's good enough for the rest of us. Yeah, but she's it's a bit, you know, she's seen the universe. She's uh, you know, experienced things that very, very few people would actually get to experience. It's you know, it's quite hard to go back to, to normal. It's not really been you know, been on a holiday, I had a really great holiday in in um I remember going on holiday in Florida and when I come back I was like, Oh god, I've got to go back to my Lincoln shop and me sad old yeah. job after this great holiday in one of the hottest places. You can go to and <laughs> you know, take some get it, take some getting back into things. It takes it some would be the um, used to going back to normal. But to be fair, having said that, it does come up in this episode as well at the end of it, where um, they offer Sarah a place on the TARDIS and she, they said, Oh, why don't you come with her? And she says, No, and that's the first time I think we've ever seen it. No, it's not because Mickey turned down, uh, yeah, on the TARDIS earlier as well, but. Yeah, she says no. I don't. Her position's weird as well. Not, but not weird because she says she confides in Rose, and she's like, "Well, I do. I actually want to. Like, yeah, I would want to come back, but I think she just. Well, what she says to the doctor is, it's just time that she gets on with her own life. Yeah, and yeah, I guess you know, like, fair enough to her. <laughs> I don't know, man, but yeah. Yeah, he sort of explains. I think it's more to Rose, doesn't he? That you know, he leaves people behind because they, you know, 
they get older, he doesn't, he either regenerates or, you know, or stays more or less the same. And it's, you know, too hard to um, outlive uh, these young companions, basically. To put it in the, yeah. the nicest way possible. <laughs> yeah, I guess there is an element of that, definitely. They have a really good, um, you know, a lot happens in this episode. We haven't even touched on, like, the villain's plot yet. <laughs> No, no, I know, but it's you know, I think the the core interest thing is with Sarah Jane, but yeah, the plot is um these aliens are are making kids smarter, basically. Um they're also feeding on one they're also feeding on them as well, as we see with a, a girl who's been sent to the headmaster's office, principal if you're American, and um he asks her why she's there and she says something Says so about being ill or something, and he also can't. Have you got anyone to pick yeah, you up? She's so like, armed from a yeah, I'm from the care home, and then he's like, Oh, ah, now I see what a nurse sent you to me. And they go into his office and you sort of hear screams and, and what have you. And it's made quite plain that he's uh, eat, he's an alien and he's eating her basically, yeah. Um. Yeah, it's <laughs> nobody else to say that, but yeah, that's the general. Uh, that's the premise of it. Uh, it's a good opening scene. It sets up your villains as villains. Like, yeah, these people are evil. They eat children. But yeah, you, you see in the, one of the first scenes where uh, David turns in a classroom and he's asking children these really hard questions, and yeah, he yeah, must he have known. Point. He must have known. He must have known what he was looking for. But at the start of the episode, you think, right, yeah, this is a class full of eleven-year-olds, and he's asking them these questions, and this this little lad's putting his hand up and he's answering, <laughs> answering. Yeah, yeah. Oh, it's an idiot thinking. Yeah. Right, he's, he's a brainy lad. Yes, a lad called Milo out of travel fashion. Yeah, that's life. It. <laughs> I mean, it's great because he like gradually. He's yeah, he asks these questions and like gradually builds them up. So he's like, the first is just it's just like a general physics question. Yeah, yeah. And then he's like, what is non-coding DNA? What's sixty-five thousand times three hundred and seventy-six? How do you travel faster at the speed of light? This kid just keeps rattling answers off. I can say, holy shit! Like, what's going <laughs> <laughs> yeah. you get a Rose has been eating the chips as well, and Rose can do really complicated math sums for a bit as well. <laughs> I think I could do some of those chips, to be honest. Yeah, they work out. It's, um, it. we'll... <laughs> some of they're putting in, uh, putting on in the oil. Some of they're cooking them in, but and um... the oil, which is something else that comes up where like these creatures are weak to oil. And you yeah, see they become slowly... because they they sort of assimilate themselves with um, the races of the worlds they conquer, they've changed themselves that much that they've become allergic and prone to their, to their own sort of oil, you know, their own sort of oil, which is quite an interesting concept. Yeah, and um, there's a bit where they're moving the oil. And I've seen this episode loads, but it only occurred to me on this particular rewatch, where when they're shifting the oil and it spills on one of them and she gets seriously hurt, I was wondering just, why didn't they just ask Rose to move the oil? Maybe yeah. just delegate that responsibility to Rose. <laughs> you move the oil. That's your job. <laughs> but uh, yeah, and uh, I think she gets yeah, and 
Rose is quite worried about her, and the nurse is pretty like, oh, no, no, she's fine. She just screams in the background on cue. Yeah. Oh, it's fine, she does that. Yeah, nothing to see here, sort of thing. That's quite a, quite a funny moment, actually. It's got lots of little funny moments in this episode. There's a good bit where Mickey screams, and it turns it's like a lot of vacuum pack rats. <laughs> yeah. And him and Abbott's his exchange. He's like, it was dark. <laughs> I was coming in rats, so there's like, there like one, nine, ten. <laughs> I also like uh, the way they played it, actually, the initial meeting between Sarah Jane and Dr. Tennant. She doesn't realise who he is at first, does she? Which, is, which she wasn't, because he's regenerated so many so many times, and he's a lot younger and, and different. Yes. Uh, so, so, of course, she does reminisce at the name John Smith, to be mm. fair, but uh, <laughs> he's like the doctor's just enamored and he's got a stupid grin on his face and he gets, it's another you can tell David Towns is having fun because he's acting yeah. <laughs> he's like he was, he like closes this conversation says, well nothing wrong with a bit of investigation while I'm here <laughs> the doctor's like oh good for you Sarah James <laughs> but it's it's, a, it's quite a fun episode I, like, I, was, I keep meaning to bring this point up um as much as you say this actor was not wasted, but maybe could have just been put to better use on the show. Had the guy who played the villain. Um, I did enjoy the scene with him when him and Doctor confront each other over the pool. Yeah, no, that that is a good that is a good scene. Um, it almost this... proves your point. To be fair, it's so good. <laughs> yeah, it's like, well, why didn't you just keep him for, for another role? But whatever. Um, but he, he's talking about something called the paradigm, which is never completely explained. But it's, it's it seems, yeah. yeah, it seems to have all. The, it seems to be able to unlock a lot of uh, the questions of the universe, doesn't it? And he was trying to sort of seduce the Doctor into working with them and sort of being their de facto leader. Um, but obviously, the Doctor doesn't want anything to do with that. I know. I quite like these. This villain, I think, he's a bit unique in sort of B episode villains. In that, like, normally in the B episodes, the Doctor takes on basically the cast of the Mos Eisley Canteen in Star Wars, if you know what I mean, like lower, lower mm. sort of forms of life, like sort of bandits and smugglers and things like that. But in this one, he actually faces creatures who are aware of him. Yeah, and like they know about the Time Lords as well and I thought that was quite an interesting dynamic where you actually have another villain commenting on the time loads where like he says like oh I always thought you were a very like pompous race like old and dusty and then when the doctor threatens them he's like oh that's a, like he says like you know your your people were merciful to the point of ignorance or whatever he says yeah because a lot of uh, sort of villains and characters all, almost play like they're inferior to the time lords and, and this sort of race they actually feel themselves superior to Time Lords, don't they? Uh, which is a yeah, nice I mean, change of change of pace. Of course, you, you see it with the Daleks, but the Daleks think they're superior to everyone. You know? well, yeah. <laughs> it's not it's really uniquely <laughs> like Time Lord characteristic, but I thought it was quite fun to have a villain who knew about the Time Lords and uh, didn't just think that the Doctor was some sort of um, like wandering idiot, basically. He was like, oh, yeah, you're a Time Lords. You know, like that's that's like that had weight to it. Mm. But yeah, um, 
and in the way the episode and what did you think about uh the way the canine sort of he's reintroduced into the episode and he sort of sacrifices himself doesn't he to save to save the day yeah um it's it's nice it's sweet it's emotional <laughs> it's everything you want in a banana really i think when a canine shoots the vats of oil so they explode in the in space and it sends the school up yeah and it's yeah there's a good i just like the the villain's final line where he says you bad dog carriage goes affirmative yeah <laughs> yeah uh, what's not it's it's one of the things where it's like there's not really much to say on it but not much to dislike you know what i mean so yeah, it's it's good fun the actual yeah. ending I really like as well with Sarah and the Doctor. I think that's very sweet. Yeah. And they um, have their goodbye. And um, she asks him to say goodbye, which the Doctor is like historically against, basically, as he doesn't do goodbyes. But then he just says, goodbye, my Sarah Jane, and gives her a big hug. And it's like, come on, you can't knock it. Like, like no. a bit emotional. <laughs> it's like, come on. It's great. And uh, yeah, he leaves a, a, a new upgraded canine model, um, which sets up uh, the, the Sarah Jane series, which uh, aired not too long after after this uh, series. Yeah, the Sarah... I think that was the whole premise of bringing Sarah Jane back. Uh, that you know, it was it was, of course, to you know, an interesting story, but it was also to set up the. The spin-off series as well which... well you say that but she was in a weird way some stuff but she got there on her own merits really Elizabeth oh yeah Sarah, yeah sarah jane because she because of her success in this they were going to do the, just the sarah jane adventure yeah. was going to be a one-off special but then because of the success of that it um they turned it into a series ah there you go then wasn't fully aware of that but yeah it was uh it was really good. It was good to, you know, it was really good to see uh, a former companion and uh, that, that dynamic. And also we, um, as you say, Sarah Jane turned down a chance to travel with the Doctor again. I almost feel like it's perhaps a token gesture by the Doctor. He, he probably knew for a while she, she didn't want to travel with him again, but he sort of felt like he should ask if that makes sense. Yeah, um, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Blow the window out of yourself. But I do see what you mean because he, he still he plants canine behind the TARDIS as well. Mm-hmm. I was thinking before, like, what if she'd said yes, and there just been this really awkward moment where the Doctor goes outside and then just picks up canine. <laughs> <and it's laughs> <all right. laughs> um, but um, what I was really going to do too is it's when Mickey asks if he can. Because yeah, it's just after Sarah Jane decides like turns down. Oh, can I come? And Sarah Jane looks at me. What? You want to come with me? And like, oh no, no, not with you. Not with you. With with the doctor. And Rose is really against it. But Sarah yeah, Jane, doctor. Nah. The doctor's quite. You know, he he uh, he, he says yes to, to sort of Mickey traveling with him, and you sort of see Rose's face as you say she's you know she's not too keen on it. Whether it's because she likes to feel special that she's the only one going on these travels of the Doctor, uh, I'm not too sure. What what's your take on it? Um, it's a weird one because 
it doesn't really come up in the next episode. Uh, she seems to be quite alright with it. But then in Age of Steel, it's it's almost the other way around. Mickey sort of realizes he's not uh, he's not not that he's not wanted, but he sort of realizes he's very much the third wheel. Yeah. And yeah, it's it is it's one of those things again. It's why Rose is a good it's a, she's a good character. And I say when I say these negative things about Rose, it's not meant as like a criticism of the writing. It's meant not meant to be praising the writing because I think it's a good bit of showcase. Like yes, yeah, you could, just like real people, sometimes she can be selfish and a little bit yeah you know, prideful and things like that. And I think it is a bit of uh, wanting to feel. Uh, special because I think that's why because she gets over pretty quickly but I think there was a bit of an element of like oh but this is my thing yeah definitely and it's good like you say people aren't perfect and they do have a habit of making their good guys too holy and now in some series especially in the older days and it, it makes it more I difficult to the, relate to people I think in the Moffat days maybe as well I don't know if I could say that, but I sometimes thought that like the companions were a bit too just a bit bland. Maybe we we well we can perhaps get into that more when we yeah. start reviewing those era episodes and the characters that are that are in there. I won't disagree or agree until I can sort of refamiliarise myself with uh, those episodes. That's, so any just to just to clarify that point probably because I, I think bland's probably a bit harsh but i don't think they were as interesting as as say rose donna and martha but anyway, we'll leave that we'll park that discussion for when we get there uh, anything else you'd like to ask before we wind things up um i don't think so i'll just have a quick skim over my notes to make sure Oh, there's a, yeah, so there's a really good bit where, um, where Rose and Sarah become friends by laughing at Doctor Who cliches, which is like kind of a fourth wall joke almost. Yeah, yeah, that that is good. It's like, it is like a sort of not almost a, a nod to uh, the audience, isn't it? Like you say. Yeah, the best ones I think Sarah Jacobs does he still stroke bits of the TARDIS? And then Rose yeah. just burst out laughing. Rose goes, I'm like, do you two want to be alone? Hmm. Yeah, uh, that's. I guess that's the last thing. You should watch this episode. I think that's fair to say, Nicole. Yeah, it's definitely worth. It's definitely worth a watch. Uh, I think the next one we'll be doing is Age of Steel, isn't it? As you just where well, yeah, just mentioned like Rise of the Cybermen and the, the Age of Steel. That's it. I can tell you about how as a kid I was terrified of the Cybermen. Well, <laughs> well, we'll we'll leave that until we uh, record that episode. Uh, I think, but yeah, um, a lot of people um, they they weren't terrified of the Daleks; they were terrified of the the Cyberman. Yes, absolutely. I'll give brief. I'll watch and give brief thoughts on um, Goat and Fireplace as well. Like I did at the start of this episode as well. Yeah, not one of my favourite episodes. That's why we're not going to review it in full. I wasn't overly keen on that one personally. Not that it's a bad episode by any stretch of the imagination. It's just not one I'm particularly keen on uh, reviewing. Yeah. But yeah. uh, Any... um, What do we call it when we... uh, Plugs? 
Well then, yeah, plugs. That's the word I was looking for. Completely lost my train of thought. <laughs> yeah, that's it. Just, you know, follow Rogue underscore opinions on Twitter. Follow Carlos Fire? Carlos? Carlos underscore Fire. That's it. 80, <laughs> 89. Uh, and that's on Twitter and Instagram. The same for Rogue underscore Opinion. That's uh, Twitter and Instagram. Follow us. Look at our back catalogue. We've got Naked Man, Sean's got one covering uh, WCW, uh, the episode Russo wins the title, is that is that correct? Yeah, and, uh, September 25th, 2000? Uh, it, yeah, it's crap. <laughs> <laughs> Spoiler, <laughs> it's crap. We've got a new kayfabe court out uh, where I make my third appearance in court and well, I won't spoil it for you. Tune in. We uh, we look at what happened to uh, Hayd Vanson. Um, if you don't I don't know who it is. Yeah, a lot of people worry <laughs> about one promo on an episode of SmackDown and then disappeared. Uh, me, myself, and Reese, we recorded a, a, a pod about the draft. Um, it's probably irrelevant now because that's already happened. But if you fancy listening to what we thought would happen, which we got mostly wrong, you can well, have did, a, you should have a quick read, listen. I mean, this is no one original thought, but didn't they just release the order? Apparently <laughs> so. Yeah, it was very bizarre. I mean, it was. I think I, I they noticed. They noticed towards the end. Switched a couple of. <laughs> yeah, I don't watch main roster WWE anymore. Oh, no, I don't watch yeah. it too. I only watch it on YouTube clips, but, really. Yeah. That's what I thought. Some... Mm. <laughs> watch AEW and NXT instead, I would. <laughs> and NWA Power. Watch NWA Power. NWA yeah, Power. yeah, that's pretty decent. Actually, I've been catching that. All okay. right, well, thanks for tuning in. And hopefully, we'll catch you next time. We do Rise of Cyberman and Angel Steel. And it's goodbye from me. Yeah!